Blog Talk Radio.
Good afternoon. Um, this is Prayer International Radio Wednesday night broadcast. I'm your host for the night, Sean Holmberg. Um, I'm actually tonight huddled in my garage in front of a little heater, trying to keep warm since um, everybody else in the house is asleep, so bear with me if I'm shivering and off and on. Um, so tonight we're going to um, get into something that I um, started on, um, I believe it was Monday night, which is something Jesus said. Um, you know, every now and then you uh, are going through the Bible and something just sticks out to you, and you may not always know exactly what it is about it that sticks out to you. Um, but it's interesting how the words of God um even a, sim- a single sentence can have profound meaning. You know, the Bible says to meditate on the word day and night so that then you'll make your way prosperous and you'll have good success, which is what it says in Joshua. And, you know, we talk about meditating on the word, and um, it's hard enough for some of us just to take time to even read the word. Um even a few minutes. Um, we all have busy day. We all have busy lives. But, you know, the Bible talks about meditating on the Word, actually taking the Word of God and dwelling upon it. You know, Jesus said, if you dwell in me, you'll bear fruit. And, you know, what does it actually mean to dwell in him? We talk about dwelling on him, but what does it mean dwelling in him? And in some ways, it's almost the same thing. And so when we talk about the Word of God, the living Word of God, which the Bible says is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, and if we go into the book of John, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word of God itself being the expression of Jesus himself, Jesus himself being the expression of God himself. And so something we started on Monday and I'm going to, we sort of got interrupted on Monday and ran short, so we're going to try to get back into it tonight among um, prayer and worship. Jesus um, said in the book of John, chapter 15, he said, I am the true vine. He says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, his father takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. And, you know, pruning is not always, a painless process. Pruning requires cutting away. It requires trimming. It requires moving um, parts of yourself that you may, in your opinion, um, not even know need to be removed. And it goes back to understanding the Father, the Creator, the one who has the master blueprint for our lives, as we discussed, where he said, I know the thoughts I think for you, thoughts of good and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. You know, the Lord has a plan for our lives. It says that in Isaiah, he says, my ways are higher than your ways, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And some people may take that as pride, as prideish or pridefulness, but what what it really is, is if you imagine the creator of heaven and earth, forming, fashioning us individually as his children, um, as his creation, who he takes special pride and has this love for. 
and he creates every one of us individually for his plans and for his purposes. And then he turns around and not only creates us, not only gives us salvation and eternal life through his son Jesus Christ, but he also lays out a plan for our lives, a purpose for our lives, a vision for our lives. And we get that vision, we get the understanding of his plans and purposes by going through his word, understanding his character, understanding who he is, and most of all, interceding and spending time with the Lord, actually getting face-to-face with him and finding out, number one, what the scripture already says about us, and then finding out what he says about us, what he believes about us. You know, it's easy to listen to the lies of the enemy that say one thing or the other. But, you know, the first time a negative thought about you comes up, what you're supposed to do is counteract it with what the Word of God declares about you. But you won't know the Word of God and what it says about you if you're not spending time in it. So Jesus said that he prunes us, and then he also said, you're already clean because of the Word which I have spoken to you. And he said, abide in me, and I in you. Now, we know from the scripture that Jesus himself is physically no longer here on earth. He died on the cross for the sins of the world and then was raised from the dead on the third day, ascended into the heaven at the right hand of the Father. But he said, I will send the helper to you, the Holy Spirit, who is just as much God as God is, just as much God as Jesus is. And the Holy Spirit dwells in us and reveals to us the hearts and the desires of the Father. Jesus goes on even further to say, As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And to paint an analogy, I don't know where all of you live at, uh, what city, what state, even what country. I know we have listeners um, all over the world. But I'm in um, Plano, Texas. Um, close to Dallas, Texas, and it's freezing, at least to me it is. I mean, I know in some places in the world it's a whole lot um, colder, but here this is pretty cold for us, like 20 degrees. And just this last weekend we had this really bad ice storm. Um, Unlike some places up in the northern parts of the United States who get, like, beautiful snow, um, down here in Texas we get ice. And so for, like, three days... um, like all the roads completely covered in layers of ice. And um, so when the ice storm started to subside and people started to go back on the roads, what we noticed is that there's tree limbs and branches broken all over the neighborhoods, all over the town. And if you imagine these tree limbs that have been separated from the tree itself, Immediately what happens once they're separated from the tree is they lose nourishment and they begin to wither and die. And the same thing happens to us when we're not abiding in him, when we're not continually in his word, continually being fed by him. And we get fed by him through the word of God, through the Holy Spirit, through the time we spend in his presence. And the minute you separate yourself from that, You start losing that nourishment that comes from the Word. You start losing the refreshing and the refilling. Jesus said that the water he gives us become 
a, a well, a spring of water springing up into everlasting life. But you start to lose that, and then you become dry, and you become stagnant, and then you die spiritually, and you start experiencing a spiritual death. Even though the scripture declares we have eternal life through Jesus Christ, through the grace that he poured out in our lives through the blood of the cross. Even though we have eternal life, you can still live your time here on earth as if you were spiritually dead. You know, Paul talked about casting off the old man, which is corrupt, growing corrupt, um, and talking about the new life we live in Christ, how we were buried with him and in baptism and, ra and raised to a newness of life. This is where a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Well, that's what the scripture says. The scripture says that all things have become new. Whether we realize it or not, whether we can see it with our physical eyes, whether we can taste it, whether we can sense it, all things have become new. And so the scripture points out one of the bigger bigger themes of the New Testament is declaring to us the new man, the new life, the new citizenship we have in heaven, the new place we have in the kingdom of God. In the Old Testament, it was about the promise of God, teaching us about the character of God, declaring to us the mercy and the long-suffering and the patience of the Father, a Father who forgives sin. And in the New Testament, it, it still shows the same thing, but it goes more into the new characteristics we have as children of God. The Bible says we're no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. Even though my citizenship is in the United States, I have another citizenship in heaven. I don't have a card in my wallet declaring that I'm a citizen of heaven like a driver's license, but according to the scripture, which we know is true because he's a God who cannot lie, I'm a citizen of the kingdom of heaven with rights that come along with being a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. But if I don't know that, if I don't read the scripture, if I don't spend time with him, then I'll be completely oblivious to who I really am. You know, there's stories I remember growing up reading um, about people who were descendants and heirs of, of kings, um, even children who lived in, in um, nations where they still had royalty, and the children would be separated and be um, adopted out or whatever, and sooner or later they would, they would grow up with this one mindset of who they were, and then sooner or later figuring out that really this is who I am, this is who I was born to be, this is who I was meant to be, and they have to adjust themselves to start living that way. And some of us, we spend so long in the world, we spend so long um, in our day-to-day -day lives that we lose track of who we really are. We get so caught up with what the world declares about everything, about our bills, about our finances, about family, about relationships, about everything, that we lose sight, that we have a completely separate identity that should overtake the identity we have in the world. And, you know, Jesus said, Later on, I'm skipping through um, parts of John, but he said, As the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Why did he say that? Why does he keep using this word abide? It means to dwell, 
keep dwelling in his love. Keep reminding yourself. Keep remembering. You know, Jesus, I mean, the Father said all throughout the Old Testament, he said, remember this, and there would be feasts, and there would um, be special days. And he kept telling them over and over again, make memorials, remind yourself so you don't forget. Because we know the dangers of what happens when people forget. The Old Testament is filled with stories about what happened when the nations of the world, the even the people of God, would forget who he was, forget his goodness, forget his loving kindness and his mercy. Even after God delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt, almost immediately they got caught up in what they were doing, got caught up with the things they didn't have, the things they thought they should have. It's harder than they thought it should be, and they would start to forget who it was who delivered them. They forget that they were the chosen people of God, that God had given them a promise. And they started considering the promises of God to be the same as promises of men. And so they lost sight of their identity in him. For if they had remembered who it was who had called them, if they had remembered and believed the promises which he had spoke to them, then they wouldn't have needed to walk around the wilderness for 40 years trying to find a place they could have just found by listening to the voice of God and being obedient to him. And far too often, when we don't understand our true identity, we start to do things with the mindset of the world, with the abilities of the world, with the understanding of the world. But, you know, to get from to get to the next miracle that God has for you, to get to the next place that God has for you, to get to that place of blessing where he is trying to lead you into, it takes surrendering your understanding of how things work and to start taking on the mind of Christ and start taking on the Word of God and declaring what the Word of God says over you so that way you can believe those things which the world declares are impossible. For the Bible says the things that are impossible with men are possible with God. He goes on to say, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Now, if you go throughout Scripture, um, especially in the later part of Jesus' life on earth, you notice something is that even though at times he had sorrow, he was always filled with joy. He always spoke of the joy he had. And that joy was knowing who his father was. No matter how bad things got, no matter what obstacles he was going to have to face, even knowing that he was going to get to the cross, he knew who his father was. And he never lost sight of the relationship he had with his father. He goes on to say that we should love one each other, love each other, lay down our lives for each other, and all these are important lessons, but each one is something that could take days and days to talk about. It says in verse 15, No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from the Father, I have made known to you. Now then, just to stop there for for just a second, all things that he heard from the Father, he has made known to us. He said, you did not chose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go out and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. So I want to um, touch on this for one second. 
said, I no longer call you servants. Servants stay, if you imagine a dinner table, you know, the Bible says he prepares a place for us, a table for us in the presence of our enemies. He anoints our head with oil, our cup runneth over. If you imagine that there's this dinner table, this banqueting table, where we feast with the Lord on his goodness, on his love, on his mercy, on his grace, on the blessings and promises that he's poured out in our lives. You know, friends sit at the table with the host, but the servants are on the outside. The servants keep a distance because they know their place is not at the table, but it's serving. It's being it's being away. They eat on the outside. They sleep on the outside. But you know what? That's not what God has called us to. It's not what he's spoken into our lives. He said that we're friends. He wants to reveal his plans and purposes to us. You know, people think this is something just for the past, just something for when the disciples were still around. This is just something for when the last great revival happened. But the truth is, the next great revival won't happen over here or over there. It won't be in this city or that city or this country or that country. The next great revival will happen in your life. It'll happen in your relationship with God. Like I um, said, uh, um, something I mentioned a week ago, that my pastor said it's the greatest miracle that God is going to do in your life is going to be you. It's going to be the writing that he places in your life. It's going to be the testimony that he builds through you. And your testimony is better than anybody else's because your testimony demonstrates and declares the loving kindness that God has poured out in your life the things that God has brought you out of, the things that he's bringing you to, the revelation that he's giving you that's not necessarily meant for everybody else. Because with friends, friends talk among each other, and the Father desires to talk to us. The Father desires to pour out his heart to us and to reveal himself to us, his very nature, his very character to us, character to us through the Holy Spirit. That your fruit should remain that, whatever you ask, the Father in my name he may give you. These things I command you that the that you love one another. Then he goes on to say, and he said, as the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were in the world, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you were not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Now, I need you to understand and think about this. Jesus in existing in glory that is incomprehensible to us. Setting it all aside to take the form of a human come in the flesh so that he could ultimately die for the sins of the world. It says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the shame of the cross. For the joy that was set before him, the joy being us, being the his fruit, which is us, that he could deliver unto the Father. The, it says in Ephesians, that talks about us knowing what is his inheritance and the saints. We always think about it, about what we're getting out of it. But you know, God is also getting something out of it, which is the joy of his heart, which is us. But he wasn't in the world, and he came into the world, and then he left. 
to go back to the place he was from, to where his home was. And the Bible says we're citizens, citizens of heaven. It says that God has prepared a place for us. Now then, it says he chose us out of this world. And then if you go over to John chapter 17, where Jesus is um, praying to the Father, he is last one of the last prayers before he actually um, was betrayed and um, was crucified. He's praying to the Father, and he said, here, hold on, let me find it real fast. I had it, and then I lost it, and... Okay, here it is. Um, it says in verse 9 of John chapter 17, it says, I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. It says, now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. That I, and I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you have you gave me, I kept. And none of them is lost except for the son of perdition. He says in verse 13, But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, your word, and the world has hated them. Because they, and this is speaking of us, are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified in the truth. And so here's the parallel we're drawing tonight, is that Jesus is declaring, just as he was out of the world, in glory with the Father, came into the world for a short time, to accomplish the work which his father sent him to accomplish. He said, My he said, My food is to do the will of him who sent me. He from the time he came in, he started declaring that there was a work that the father had for him to do. And then when that work was finished upon the cross, he said, It is finished. And then he departed to go back to the Father. And though we were were in the world, he says, We're not of the world. Though we were, we're not. Because like him, we have been, well, not like him, but he has adopted us and given us the same nature and the same characteristic. And all of a sudden, we've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. So that even though we were of the world and we came from the world, immediately we're not of the world. And I may have lost some of you on that. We were in the world. We were of the world. But then when we believed upon him, immediately our nature and our character, our very identity, was changed. 
you know, the bio, the, the world um, talks about aliens and how they believe there's aliens and visitors and all sorts of stuff. And the truth is, we're the aliens now because the Bible says that we're not of the world. Though we're here in the world, we're not of it. We are not citizens of this earth anymore, but we're citizens of heaven. And we have a planet. And we have a purpose that the Father has for us. He has a work for us to complete. It says in Ephesians, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Father, I ask tonight, Lord, by your grace, Father, by your mercy, Lord, through your Holy Spirit, that you would begin to open up our hearts to receive what your word declares about us. That you would be able, you would begin to open up our ears to hear your voice speaking. Holy Spirit, your word declares that your sheep will hear your voice and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. Father, begin to open up our eyes so that we can see things the way you see them and not the way the world sees them. Father, and that we would start to begin to see ourselves, most of all, Lord, the way that you see us. Father, for it is a sin for us to call you a liar and declare anything over ourselves that you have not spoken. Father, any time that we have believed the lies of the enemy, any time we've believed what this person said or this person said and not what your word declared over us, Father, we have disagreed with you. Father, and so we repent of that, Lord. Father, when we ask that you start declaring to us, start speaking to us, Father, take your word. Holy Spirit, make it alive in us. Let it burn within us, Father, declaring to us our identity in you, Father, declaring our identity in heaven. Your word declares that we are seated in heavenly places. You said that you have blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Father, that you would give us the ability, Father, give us the understanding how to cast down the thoughts, every thought that comes against the knowledge of Christ Jesus. Father, that you would begin to establish us in your truth, Father, in your word, Father, that we would be rooted and grounded in love, Father. Not the love that the world has, Father, which is temporary and fleeting and fading, Father. But your covenantal love that you have for us, Lord, that we would begin to really comprehend it. To really begin to understand it as a body of believers. That there is this love that you have for us that is internal, that is perfect. That knows no limit, no bound, Father. As your scripture just says, that you loved us so much that you laid down your own life, that whoever would believe in you would have everlasting life. Father, that you would start revealing this identity not only to us, Father, but help us to see this identity that you have for our families, Lord, for our children, for our spouses, for our friends and our neighbors, Lord, for those we come in contact with, even, Father, when we're out in the street, when we're out in this world that we're no longer a part of, Lord, that you would begin to reveal to us the plans and purposes you have for their life. Lord, that you would birth a spirit of compassion inside of us, Lord, for the lost, 
for you declared that you're not willing that any should perish so that all should come to repentance. Father, that you would start burdening, birthing nations, Lord, birthing kingdoms, Father. And not only nations and kingdoms, Father, but you would start birthing families into our hearts and into our lives, Lord. That you would give us burdens for the people around us, Lord, for the mission fields that are all around us. For Jesus, you said that if we would look, lift up our eyes and look and behold, that the harvest is already white. It's already ready. There's people already out there that are hungry for the gospel. Father, they're hungry for the hope that you have, Lord, that this world cannot offer. Father, I ask that you would sanctify us in your word, Lord, that you would begin to take your word, Lord, and use it to cleanse our mind. Father, cleanse our thought lives, Lord, for the victory we have resides in not just our actions, but also in the way we think, Father. And then you would turn around and you would take the coal and cleanse our lips, Father. Father, you would cleanse our lips from evil thoughts, Father, from evil speech. Father, anything that is contrary to what your word declares, Father, you said that our words are living. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, Father, we break every lie, Father, every curse that we have spoken over ourselves, Lord. Every time we have agreed with the enemy about our circumstances, Father, we ask for forgiveness, Lord. And we ask that you start teaching us, Lord, to speak with authority over our lives and our families' lives. Lord, that you would take your word and put it in us, Father, as a sword. Thank you, Jesus. Lord of all creation, of water, earth, and sky, the heavens are your tabernacle, glory to the Lord on high, God of wonders beyond our galaxy, you are
We're here, God, because your promise has been fulfilled in us. We're here, God, because when we seek you, we find you. God, when we ask, we receive. When we knock on the door, you answer it. Your word is alive. Your word is alive today. It is truth. It is everything. I'm coming after you I'm coming after you I'm coming after you 
our life. Hear us, God. You desire the world 
sick in need of God alone. And people, we must see His face. If we turn from our unrighteousness, He'll forgive our evil ways. by your grace Holy Spirit be forever near Saturate us in this place Let your glory It's Let the fire fall, let the 